everyone, this is Chad Harms, the pastor of Creekside. Thanks for taking some time to listen to my latest sermon, a sermon about someone in the Bible who was isolated, kind of like we are now. It will play in just a minute, but before it does, I want to say thank you. I want to say thank you for listening. Our sermons have been listened to almost 20,000 times since last July 1st. That is a staggering number. And it's a number that represents a lot of people hearing biblical teaching and the gospel story. This only happens by people like you listening faithfully, but also leaving ratings and reviews and sharing with their friends. And so from the bottom of my heart, thank you. I appreciate you being with us each week and I appreciate you helping us take the message of Jesus and the story of the Bible further to more people. So once again, thank you. I hope that this sermon will help you to learn and live more fully for the glory of God. Hi everyone, my name is Chad. I'm the pastor of Creekside. Thanks for being with us today and welcome to my garage office. Ever since I was a kid, I've loved sports. Even when I was a baby, it seems that I loved sports. My first word they tell me was ball. And when I was a baby, by some standards, I would throw the ball in and out of the playpen with whoever would throw it back to me. One of my very first memories is in the backyard of my house as a, as a toddler, really. And, and my uncle was helping me swing the bat while my dad pitched the ball to me. When I was a kid, I, I really decided what I was going to play outside based on what season it was. In the fall, I played football. In the winter, I played basketball. And in the spring and summer, I played baseball. I can even tell you exactly what bushes were first, second, and third base uh, when I was a kid at my grandma's house. I would call the neighbor kids. I would knock on their doors and just beg them to come outside and, and play sports with me. In middle school and high school, sports were really my life. It's what I did with all my free time. It's what I loved doing. It's where all my friends came from. And then I had the opportunity to play college baseball. And now I play on the Soul Slugger softball team here at Creekside Bible Church. And I love doing it. I love sports. But there's always been this one part of sport that I haven't liked And I've disliked it so much and at times been so bad at it that my dad has given me many pep talks in my life about the importance of this part of sport. And and what makes it fascinating that I dislike it so much is that it's such a big part of sports and it's a part of sports that that makes it possible to be good at sports in general. And maybe you could guess that part of sport is practice. I have never liked practice. I love games because I get to compete I love doing cool things that make the crowd go wow. I love hearing the sound of crowds. I love winning. I love those things. But practice kind of takes all of that out of sport. And instead, you have a a coach with a whistle yelling at you and whistling at you, telling you to run faster or jump higher, try harder, do better. And it's it's just not that fun. But we know that practice is really important if we're going to be good at anything. I remember learning to drive a a manual car. This was with my uncle too. And we were in the parking lot of McNary High School. And man, my uncle still complains that he has back problems from how much whiplash I gave him that day. But it it would have been a terrible idea for me to go out on the road without practicing driving that stick shift in the parking lot first. We need practice if we're going to succeed in the things that we want to succeed 
end. And I think right now, this time that we have in isolation really can be a time of practice, a time that turns, uh, that, that prepares us for something for something bigger and better maybe. At the end of my sermon last week, I read a quote and I, I kind of skipped right over it because I read several quotes and they were all kind of pointing to the same thing. But I want to read this quote from the Bible Reader's Companion to you again because I think it's really important. It says, Joseph's faithfulness prepared him for the sudden advancement he experienced. If we cannot be faithful in small things, we cannot expect great things to follow. If you were with us last week, then you heard the story of Joseph. If you weren't, then go back and listen to that sermon at creeksidebiblechurch.org slash isolated. But Joseph was a man who was isolated in prison and then soon after became second in command of all of Egypt and he saved many, many lives. And the Bible reader's companion is saying that his faithfulness in the isolation prepared him to do the great things that God had called him to do later. And I think it begs this question for us, this really important question. What is it about isolation? Or better, let me say it this way. How can we respond to isolation in such a way that it turns into preparation? And I would add to that, sanctification. How can we respond to isolation in such a way that it really turns it into practice? It helps us to get better for the things that we want to accomplish, the things that we want to do when we are no longer in isolation. And today we're going to look at a story of a man who really epitomizes isolation turning into preparation. This man's name is David. And if you don't know the story of David, I'll tell you some of it in a little bit. But right now, just know this. David went from the castle to a cave to being king. And the time in the cave was really an incredible time of preparation for the things that God would do in him and through him after he became king. Here's what's even cooler about this story for us today. Not only do we get to see what David did while he was in the cave in the Bible, but we actually get a glimpse into his heart We get to see what was taking place on the inside of David as he was isolated. And and here's what I think is really important for us today. What happens on the inside of us really dictates what happens on the outside of us. And if we want isolation to be preparation, that is important that we think about what we are doing personally so that our public actions become better, become more godly. It is important that we, that we respond to isolation well on the inside so that God can use what we do on the outside for his glory, honor, and fame. Here's David's story. And you can read it in 1 Samuel 16 through 20. I would highly recommend doing that. It is one of the coolest parts of the Bible. It's an incredible story. And I'm only going to hit the bullet points today. But, but here's what happens. There's a king named Saul in Israel. And, and, and God has basically looked down at Saul and, and said, this guy's not my king anymore. He's not living for me. He's not doing the things that he's supposed to be doing as king. And so while Saul is king, God anoints David as king. This happens in 1 Samuel 16. There's a prophet named Samuel and he's sent to David's family. And and what's really cool is that there's this verse that shows us why David is chosen as king in many ways. In 1 Samuel 16, 7, Samuel has looked at one of David's brothers and and this brother passes the eyeball test. He's like, this has got to be the king. Samuel's like, this has got to be the king. And this is what we read. But the Lord said to Samuel, do not consider his appearance or his height. 
for I have rejected him. The Lord does not look at the things people look at. People look at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. What's so amazing about David is that by God's admission, this is stated in scripture, David, according to God, was a man after God's own heart. And this morning, we're gonna get a glimpse into that heart. And I think that that heart and what was in it and the way David responded internally to isolation is what turned that isolation into preparation. And in the second half of 1 Samuel 16, David plays the heart for King Saul. He's invited into the palace because Saul is struggling with mental and spiritual health issues. And so David comes in and he plays the harp to calm Saul, uh, Saul down. In 1 Samuel 17, David slays Goliath. You probably know that part of the story. But then in 1 Samuel 18, David becomes friends, best friends, deep friends with Saul's son, a man named Jonathan. Later in 1 Samuel 18, Saul becomes jealous of David. Listen to how that starts in 1 Samuel 18, 6 through 9. When the men were returning home from after David had killed the Philistine, that's Goliath, the women came out from the towns of Israel to meet King Saul with singing and dancing, with joyful songs and timbrels and lyres. As they danced, they sang, Saul has slain his thousands and David his tens of thousands. Saul was very angry. This refrain displeased him greatly. They have credited David with tens of thousands, he thought, but me with only thousands. What more can he get but the kingdom? And from that time on, Saul kept a close eye on David. In 1 Samuel 19, Saul tries to kill David, even though David is at that point married to Saul's daughter. And then in 1 Samuel 20 and 21, David is forced to leave Saul's presence. He's forced to flee. And this is where we want to focus our attention this morning. Not long after David has been forced to flee Saul's presence, he's been forced to flee Jerusalem. We read in 1 Samuel 22.1, David left Gath and escaped to the cave of Adullam. When his brothers and his father's household heard about it, they went down to him there. David escapes to a cave. He moves into isolation. We're all facing isolation right now in one way or another. And, and here is another character in scripture, another person from the Bible that deals with deep and intense isolation. He moves into a cave that's 20 miles southwest of Jerusalem. And, and here's what's crazy. And I think we can connect with this right now, maybe more than ever. Scholars believe that David spent between three and six months in this cave. David is isolated. He is isolated from people he loves. He's isolated from the ability to do the things that he likes to do. I mean, this is complete and utter isolation. Now I want to pause here and again say what I'm going to say in every sermon in this series. The reason that David was isolated is different than the reason that we are isolated right now. I don't want anybody to read into any of my sermons or any of the stories that we're looking at and make the connection that I'm saying that we have been isolated for the same reason they have. The reasons that the people in the Bible were isolated are different than ours, but we learn from how they responded and what God did through that isolation. And here's what's so cool about the story of David that is different than all the other stories that we'll look at in this series, all of the other passages of scripture that, scripture that we'll look at in this series. This is what makes it different. 
while David is in this cave, while he is isolated in a cave, he writes Psalm 142. In fact, and I think this is so cool, many of David's psalms can be traced to the years he was on the run from Saul. Many of the psalms, there's 150 of them, many of the psalms written by David can be traced to this time when David was in isolation. But Psalm 142 specifically is written when David has escaped to this cave, when he's isolated in this cave. And what's so cool about that, him pinning this psalm, this song to God, this prayer to God, is that we see the inward emotional journey that corresponded with the outward circumstances of isolation. A pastor who has a blog named Sean Thornton says this, Read Psalm 142 and you will sense the overwhelming emotions David experienced after he arrived at the cave of Adullam. While there are hints of determination and even worship of God, the predominant mood is one of deep discouragement. Early in his time in the cave, he learns the importance of simply telling God how he feels. I think we all feel a lot right now. We're isolated for really the first time in, in most of our lives. We're, we're isolated and, and a lot of us are struggling with that emotionally. And what we have in Psalm 142 is amazing because it's an emotional outpouring of David who will eventually become king. It's an emo emotional outpouring of David to God. And I think there's so much that we can learn from it. Listen to the words of Psalm 142, one through seven. That's all of it. I'm gonna read all of it and then I'll break it down just a little this morning. But listen to this. I cry aloud to the Lord. I lift up my voice to the Lord for mercy. I pour out before him my complaint. Before him I tell my trouble. When my spirit grows faint within me, it is you who watch over my way. In the path where I walk, people have hidden a stare for me. Look and see, there is no one at my right hand. No one is concerned for me. I have no refuge. No one cares for my life. I cry to you, Lord. I say, you are my refuge, my portion in the land of the living. Listen to my cry, for I am in desperate need. Rescue me from those who pursue me, for they are too strong for me. Set me free from my prison that I may praise your name. Then the righteous will gather about me because of your goodness to me. The first thing that David says is I cry aloud to the Lord. I love what Matthew Henry says about this. There is no cave so deep, so dark, but we may out of it send up our prayers and our souls in prayer to God. What's so cool here is that David looks at God and he sees him as his only hope in the midst of this isolation and he, he cries aloud to God because of that. And, and what it says here is that he, he offers his complaint to God. I love that. I think sometimes we are scared or worried that we ought not complain to God. But man, we should be turning our complaints to God on a consistent basis. We live in a world now where, where everybody seems to complain about everything. Maybe you've fallen into the trap of posting all of your complaints online, of, of leaving all of your complaints in the review section of products that you don't like or whatever it might be. 
But in scripture, what we see people doing when it comes to the deepest and hardest things of life are people, especially David, turning his eyes to God, crying aloud to him and sending his complaints up. Why not send our complaints to somebody, a being, God, who can actually do something about our complaints. The word for cry aloud can be translated as cry or thunder. The main idea is that this is audible. David prays an audible prayer to God in the midst of isolation. And and here's what I think kind of point number one of the day should be for all of us. We should pray audible prayers to God in the midst of our isolation. If there's one big point for you this morning, it's, it's simply this, that crying aloud to the Lord is, is the, one of the primary ways that, that isolation is turned into preparation and sanctification. Crying aloud to the Lord turns isolation into preparation and sanctification. This is a common theme throughout all of the people that we're going to look at in, in this series from this point on, except for maybe Jesus. We don't read that in his story, but we know that Jesus spent you know, more time than any of us will probably ever spend in prayer talking to God. And, and so I want you to have this in your heads. Crying aloud to the Lord turns isolation into preparation, and even sanctification. And if I could give you one piece of advice based on Psalm 142 this morning, it would be just that. Cry aloud to God the Lord. I know that's a little bit hard and weird right now because you can't get away from your family if you live with people. You can't, you can't, you know, uh, go to a different place and spend time crying aloud like you normally can. But, but if you can just find time to audibly pray to God and, and pour out, you know, all these things that we're going to see in this passage. Uh, but, but you can just start with your complaints and say, God, I, I'm struggling with loneliness and I'm struggling financially and I'm struggling with fear and I'm struggling, you know, with, with the tension in this family. I'm struggling with all these things, God. And I, I just want to pour this complaint out to you. Cry aloud to the Lord. And, and listen, man, here's, here's what's so cool is that David doesn't just say, I cry aloud to the Lord. He then proceeds to, to say things that, that I think can be a model for us as we cry out to the Lord. He asks God for mercy. There's a word that means simply to show favor or to deal graciously with. It's the, the very thing that all of us need right now. We need God's mercy. We need God to pour out his favor on us. Not only do we need this, but our families need it. Our cities need it. Our state needs it. Our nation needs it. Our world needs the favor of God to be poured out in a unique and special way. We all know that what's happening right now is going to have, probably have long-term ramifications for, for most people. Difficult struggles are going to come because of what's happening in our world right now, if they haven't already come. And we need, man, we need, and we can recognize the need more than ever, the mercy, the favor of God. We need him to deal with us graciously, to bless us in ways that we don't deserve. And so as we cry aloud to the Lord, man, let us be like David and, and ask God for his mercy. Although it's undeserved, let us ask God for his mercy mercy. He says this, when my spirit grows faint within me, it is you who watch over my way. I think we're about six weeks in now on being isolated. And man, 
if you're anything like me, and I think you are because you're human, then, then, then we, we gain energy. Even those of us who are introverted, and I am a person who is introverted, even those who are, who are introverted, we draw, we draw energy from each other. We need each other. And if anything's been made more clear, I think, during this time, is that we need to be with people to be healthy as human beings. And here, six weeks into this isolation, I think a lot of us are just tired. Maybe you've moved past fear. Maybe you've just kind of embraced, you know, a, a new routine and, and you've figured out how to do work if you're working and, and you've got all these kind of, you know, things kind of worked out, but maybe you've just come to a point where you're really just in your soul. You're tired of this. You're tired of being isolated. Notice that David declares that as he cries aloud and he looks at God and said, it's you, God, it's you who watches over me. Maybe you feel faint within your soul, but this is all the more reason to turn your attention to God. He says this, no one is at his right hand. No one is concerned for me. No one cares for my life. Man, this demonstrates incredible loneliness, doesn't it? I mean, a loneliness that is soon answered by God. If you were paying attention to 1 Samuel 22, 1, God sends people to him. Maybe not the people that David wants all of them, but God sends people. He answers this prayer. But in this moment when, when Psalm 142 is, is written and, and as he says these words to God, David is dealing with deep and utter loneliness. No one is at my right hand. No one is concerned for me. No one cares about my life. And I think... I think a lot of you probably feel that way right now. I think a lot of you probably feel like, does anybody really care? I would say express that to God, but recognize that God, as we saw last week, is still with you. I remember the, the loneliest I ever felt in my whole life was when I went to Idaho to be a summer missionary for two months. And it was sad leaving my family. I'd never done that before, but I got in the car and I, I drove off into, uh, you know, the the sunny weather, and, and uh, I, I drove and drove and drove, you know, until I got to Pocatello, Idaho, and got there that night, was really warmly greeted by the pastor and his wife that I was helping out uh, on that trip, but then I went down into the room I was staying with, and I remember sitting there, you know, it was before I could get on social media or anything like that, and I just remember feeling totally lonely. I was isolated from my family by my choice, but I was isolated from my family, my friends. I, I, I've told you this before in sermons, but I used to go out to the driving range at night there the, and, and hit golf balls simply because I didn't have anybody to hang out with. I would just go out and hit golf balls all by myself. It was lonely. And, and I, I learned to love the people there and things, you know, I wasn't lonely for the two months I was there, but that first night I felt so lonely. And I think loneliness is a great reminder that we need to turn our attention to God. Know this too. If you feel lonely right now, come on, reach out to us. Uh, we love you. Our church loves you. We want to, I'm here. I would love to talk to you. I, I, I would love to call you, to Zoom you, to text you, whatever needs to happen. And there's lots of people like that in our church. But, but first, in your loneliness, let it serve as a reminder to turn your attention to God and express that loneliness to God. But then, Reach out to others and don't allow this time of isolation to cut you off from the rest of the world. He says next, you are my refuge. Lord, I am in desperate need. Rescue me. 
Even in this terrible situation, David looks at God and he says, you are the one who can protect me. You are the one who can rescue me. Man, we want to be rescued from so many things right now. We want to be rescued from a virus. We want to be rescued from financial struggle. We want to be rescued from this time of isolation. And we must ask God for it. If preparation If isolation is going to turn into preparation, then we ask God to fulfill these needs to rescue us. I would just say to some of you that that maybe you've never given your life to Jesus. Maybe your soul has not been rescued and you, you know, more than me are in desperate need of being rescued because, because you don't have a savior. Listen to what we believe as Christians. This is so important. As Christians, we believe that God is the great rescuer, that God saw that we had done evil things, that we are sinners, that we had disobeyed him and rejected him. And God looked down from heaven and he came on a rescue mission. He came in the person of Jesus. Jesus lived sinlessly. And at the end of that sinless life, Jesus died on a cross and then came back to life. That's why we celebrate Easter. And he did all of that. He did all of that so that we could be rescued from our sin, rescued from hell, rescued from death and brought into an eternal relationship with him. And I would say to you this morning, if you have not allowed for yourself to be rescued by God, then make this the day that you choose to be rescued. How do you do that? Well, it says in scripture that you just simply believe in your heart that God raised Jesus from the dead and confessed with your mouth that Jesus is Savior. I would just encourage you this morning to believe that Jesus died and rose again for your sins and believe that Jesus is Savior. Even confess that Jesus is Savior by bowing your head and saying, God, rescue me a sinner. Please rescue me a sinner. I will give you my life. Do that this morning. But for all of us, All of us need to turn our attention to God and recognize him as the great rescuer. If he rescued your soul, then he can rescue you from whatever you are facing right now. And if isolation is going to turn into preparation, then you must turn to him and cry aloud to be rescued. He says, this set me free from my prison. This word prison is is the Hebrew word masker and it means to be shut in. Man, I'm not sure any word connects more strongly with me right now and how I feel. And I love that I can go on walks when the weather is good and all of those things. But, but man, I feel shut in. The psalmist feels trapped and powerless as one author said it. And David turns to God and he, he says, just set me free from this prison. Have you asked God to end this thing that we're dealing with right now? Have you asked God to end the pandemic and and, and to help us get back to a place where we are able to to go out and do the things that we want, return to normal grocery shopping and go to movies and and hang out with the people we love and 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 go to church. Have you have you prayed that God would set us free from what we are dealing with right now? Set us free from our isolation. I hope that you have, but if you haven't, cry aloud to the Lord and ask him to free us from this isolation. Ask him to free us from all the things that that are making us feel imprisoned as David did in the cave so many years ago. And then he says this, that I may praise your name, that the righteous will gather about me because of your goodness. I love this. His attention is on God's glory. The Faith Life Study Bible says the psalmist concludes with a final request for Yahweh to bring him out of the place where he is trapped. And he does this in order that God can be worshiped for his goodness. David's attention, even in the midst of isolation, is on God's glory and not just the betterment of his life. 
I believe that if isolation is going to be turned into preparation, that as we cry aloud to the Lord, our requests should be centered on, yeah, what we're dealing with, but also ultimately on God being glorified. Man, one of the things that I think we should be praying right now is God set us free, rescue us from what we are dealing with so that people may know that you are God, that you saved us, that you protected us, that you ended this thing, and they will turn to him and worship him as they love him and recognize his greatness. There's two other Psalms that are written from caves and and, and we don't know if uh, they're written from the cave of Adilam or if they're written from the cave of Engedi but Psalm 57 and Psalm 34 are also written from caves and what's so interesting about those is is it's like we see the other side of David's heart we see we see a transition maybe in David as he is in isolation. He moves from crying out these kind of desperate needs to God. God, I, I need you to rescue me. I need you to save me because I'm lonely and I'm isolated. I need you. And in Psalm 34 and 57, we see David praise God. I would highly recommend you read those. But I would just like to add that as we cry aloud to the Lord, not only should we put our requests before God, but we should also send our praises up to God. That is part of turning isolation into preparation. Derek Kinder says, speaking of Psalm 57 and 142, the two Psalms give us some idea of the fluctuating state of David's emotions in the ordeal. Psalm 57 is bold and animated, almost enjoying the situation for the certainty of its triumphant outcome. And we know now that Psalm 142 is a desperate plea for God's help because David is lonely and, and feels imprisoned. In our psalm, though, as one author said, David's faith is at full stretch. And, and, and his psalms are, are full of praise and his psalms are, are full of concern. And, and right now, maybe your faith is at full stretch. Maybe you feel like your faith is, is pulled as tight as it can get and you don't know if it's gonna snap. Well, I just say this, cry aloud to the Lord. Pour out your needs and your fears and your failures, all the things that you're struggling with, but also, but also praise God. Praise God for who he is and what he has done in your life. Sean Thornton again says this, proactive praise does something transformative in us. When we choose to praise God based on who he is instead of what our circumstances are, good things happen. We see the eternal God in whom we have put our trust. Remember that quote at the beginning, the one about faithfulness in, in the midst of, of isolation and how it turns, us, turns into preparation? Well, uh, well, here's what scholars point out about this story of David being in the cave and David being on the run from Saul and David being in isolation. They almost all point out the fact that this was an incredible time of preparation for David and, and his ruling of the kingdom. That's a big deal. Because here's David. I mean, look, he goes from being in the palace, married to the king's daughter. I mean, he has a pretty good life. People love him. They're cheering for him. Things are great. And now he is in the cave. And in the cave, he could have just said, God, I don't need you anymore. I don't want you anymore. In the cave, he could have just said, what are all the practical things that need to, be get, to get done in order to make sure that, you know, this doesn't ruin my entire life? But instead, in the midst of it, he chooses to cry aloud to the Lord. And it turns his time of isolation into a time 
of preparation. In a, in a blog post called Cave Time, it said, the cave was perhaps the most frustrating period in David's life, but in hindsight, it turned out to be the most fruitful. Listen to that again, because I think that can be true for us in the midst of the isolation that we are feeling right now. The cave was perhaps the most frustrating period in David's life, but in hindsight, it turned out to be the most fruitful. In Hebrews 11, we read about all these great men of faith. And at the, in the middle of it, kind of, he mentions David. The writer of Hebrews mentions David. And then we read in Hebrews eleven thirty eight, speaking of David and other people of faith, the world was not worthy of them. They wandered in deserts and mountains, living in caves and in holes in the ground. Some of the greatest men and women who have ever lived, some of the greatest God-fearing, God-following, God-serving people who have ever lived were isolated for periods of time in their life. And in the story of David, we have one of the key responses if that isolation is going to be preparation and it is crying aloud to the Lord. Matthew Henry says this, those that are troubled in mind, body, or estate may, in singing this psalm, speaking of Psalm 142, if they sing it in some measure with David's spirit, both warrant his complaints and fetch his comforts. But today I would offer this, in the midst of this time of isolation, if you want it to matter, if you want it to be practice and not just a time out, if you want this time of isolation to be a time of preparation and sanctification, then you must start or continue to cry aloud to the Lord. Make prayer central. Not just, not just the regular old kind of prayers that we sometimes pray. God bless them and God bless that. But deep prayers where we express our emotions and our fears, where we say, God, I'm lonely. And God, everybody, it seems like, like everything's wrong and everything's bad. And God, I, I don't know if I'm gonna get through this. And God, look at what's happening with me. But also, God, I love you. And God, I trust you. And God, I know that you are my rescuer. If we will cry aloud like that, then I, then I believe with all my heart that this time of isolation will become a time of preparation and sanctification for us. And so let's be a people. Let's be a church that cries aloud to the Lord. Let me pray that you'll do just that. Lord Jesus, I know that many are struggling right now to pray even as often as normal. Routines have been messed up. God, we, we, we can't go out as freely. Uh, we can't uh, find space maybe if we're in homes with, with more people, God. And, and so for, for a lot of people, I know, God, it's, it's been a struggle to pray as much as normal right now. But God, let us be incredible people of faith like the people in Hebrews 11, like David and like some of the other people we'll see in this series that in the midst of isolation, despite how difficult it might be, God, help us to be people who cry aloud to you, who pray, God, who pray audibly, who pray passionately, who pray deeply, who pray sincerely, God, who pray audaciously, who pray, God, trusting you to respond in incredible ways. Let us be people, God, who cry aloud to you in the midst of isolation so that it may become a time of preparation. And God, I also want to pray, God, if there's any people watching right now who have not been rescued for eternity, they've never become Christians, God, I pray that you would draw them to you right now, God, that they would believe in their hearts that you 
are the Lord and Savior and they would give themselves to you. They would commit their lives to you knowing, knowing God that you, you are worth it, Lord. You are worth it because of who you are and what you have done. Lord Jesus, whether for the first time or the millionth time, I pray that right now you would draw us to be a people that cry aloud to you in the midst of isolation. And I pray these things in Jesus' name, amen. Hey, if God's used this sermon or our service in general to impact you today, I just want to ask you to do me a big favor. And I think it's a big, uh, it's a big step for you too. I think it's important for you too. If God's impacted you in any way, can you, can you let us know by going to creekside.me slash respond and filling out the form there?